0: Ready? Born ready.
1: Another episode of your favorite political podcast, Where the Party At. I'm your host, Sabalong. Thank you. Thank you for rocking with us. It has been another crazy week in politics. And of course, we have to start with the Friday night debate between Herschel Walker and Raphael Warnock. Let me give you a few highlights from this one-hour debate. You we weren't sure if they were actually going to debate, but they finally did. And I think there's a lot of mixed reviews about uh, Herschel's, uh, or particularly Raphael Warnock, Senator Warnock's, uh, how he presented himself and how he answered questions or didn't. But let's talk about Herschel first. So one of the big things, and I'm not going to highlight everything, but I'm going to highlight a couple things that I think you really need to pay attention to. One was about insulin. Take a listen to this back and forth.
2: We passed the Inflation Reduction Act, which had two of my provisions. One caps the cost of prescription drugs for seniors, so they don't have to choose between buying medicine and buying groceries. And one caps the cost of insulin. He said he would not have voted for the inflation reduction act and i think he should tell the people of georgia why he thinks they should have expensive insulin and why the pharmaceutical companies should be able to charge us whatever they like
0: well first of all may i respond you know i believe in reducing insulin but at the same time
2: you got to eat right
0: because he may not know and i know many people that's on insulin and unless you have a eating right insulin is doing you no good <laughs> so you have to get food prices down And you got to get gas down so they can go get insulin. And you continue to pat yourself on the back. But right now, families are starving. Right now, families are hurting. And they're hurting because of the bills and the laws you're passing right now.
2: Senator Warnock, I'll give you an opportunity for a rebuttal. I, I, I meet people all the time in my church who are trying to manage their diabetes. I've been there when they've gotten the news that they've got to get an amputation. And I think we're hearing from my opponent tonight that it's their fault that prices of insulin are being gouged. I, I don't think it's their fault. I think it's the fault of these pharmaceutical companies. Insulin's been around 100 years. The patent was sold for $1. They're engaged in price gouging, and too many people in Washington think they work for the pharmaceutical companies. I work for the people of Georgia. Well, he's in Washington. I, can I finish? I work yeah. for the people of Georgia. Yeah, but well, you're in Washington. And he that's said, why I stand up for them every you're single day. You're in Washington, day. and you're the lead.
1: Okay, so a couple things about this. Yes, diet is partly a factor if you become diabetic, but not always. So just some stats from the CDC here. Type 1 diabetes is thought to be caused by an autoimmune reaction, which means the body is attacking itself by mistake. And that reaction stops your body from actually producing insulin. If you have type one diabetes, you have to take insulin every day to survive. And there is not currently a way to stop or prevent type one diabetes. Now type two, this is what most people have. It can be preventable or at least delayed with healthy lifestyle changes. So Herschel is not wrong to say that, but however, Lowering the cost of a drug has nothing to do with my eating habits or my exercise habits. So should someone be penalized to the point that they have to choose between insulin or groceries or insulin or being able to pay for their rent or their mortgage? Now, how does this impact Georgia? There are more than a million Georgians, which is about 12% of the state who are diabetic. So capping the price of insulin would directly impact more than 1 million Georgians. And then i mentioned this on a podcast, I don't know how long ago, maybe a month or so, that Americans spend close to $6,000 a year on insulin. And that the American Diabetes Association says that diabetic patients account for one out of every $4 in healthcare. So this is one of those exchanges that I thought uh, Raphael Warnock, Senator Warnock, had the upper hand because he addressed an issue that is directly impacting folks' lives and showed compassion and not just uh, Herschel Walker's approach of, well, eat some vegetables. All right, the other thing, abortion. We know that this has been a hot topic. Listen to what Herschel Walker said about abortion during the debate.
3: Would you support a complete ban on a national level? Well, first of all, seconds. see,
0: that's not true I- either. I said, I support uh, the heartbeat bill. And I said, I support the Georgia heartbeat bill because that's the bill of the people from Governor Kemp. And I said, that has exceptions in it. I said, I'm a Christian, but I'm also representing the people of Georgia, and that's who I represent. So, what the people of Georgia stand for, I'm going to stand with them.
1: Now, take a listen to something that Herschel Walker said on the campaign trail.
0: Well, there's not a national ban on abortion right now, and I think that's a problem. We uh, keep talking about things like that. Right now, I'm for life, and I'm not going to make an excuse for it.
1: So in the debate, he says one thing, but on the campaign trail, he has said something else. Now, what I was surprised by is that Warnock did not immediately call Herschel out on his response in the debate. Right after Herschel said that, the moderator then asked an abortion-related question to Warnock, but instead of going on the offense, he dismissed, it, he dismissed a complete opportunity to remind women and men who want women to have access to an abortion that Herschel can't be trusted on the issue. And I would have gone into, you said this in the past and you're saying this today, so which one is it? Uh, an AJC poll showed that of poll respondents said they're more likely to back a candidate who does support abortion access, abortion rights. We know that the majority of Georgians, and again, this is according to polling, and the majority of Americans do not agree with the six-week abortion ban. So that was also another opportunity to hit back at Herschel, and that was missed. And the last thing I want to talk about is the prop. So Herschel whipped out what appeared to be a law enforcement wallet or badge. This was when Warnike actually did give him a really good ding about um, mental health, but particularly as it relates to law enforcement. And he said, Herschel, I've never pretended to be law enforcement or something to that effect. So there's a lot of back and forth about was this real or was this like a Cracker Jack, you know, toy? Herschel Walker in the past was an honorary deputy. And that just means it's kind of like when the city gives you like the mayor's like, Oh, I'm going to give you the keys to the city for the day. It doesn't mean that you have any kind of power or access. It just means that you're being recognized for being a community leader or someone that, you know, is friendly with that particular agency or that administration. Um, now, again, the other thing is that in law enforcement, within sheriff's offices, you were deputized by the sheriff. So, whenever there is a new sheriff, you have to be redeputized. Every single deputy has to be redeputized by that new sheriff. That did not occur. And so, in the past, he can say that he was an honorary deputy, but in the present, he is not an honorary deputy. I just want to make that clear. All right. There were other debates, uh, but we're taping a little bit earlier than normal, so I'm not going to be able to highlight those before we release the pod. The Atlanta Press Club debates for statewide and federal seats are taking place over a a three-day period, Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday. I'm going to put in the show notes how to watch those. I think most of them are about 30 minutes. Definitely worth checking out. Another way to help you understand who's running, why they're running, and who to vote for. All right. In-person voting has officially started. It kicked off Monday, October 17th. Now, as of Saturday, nearly 216,000 Georgians have already requested and received absentee ballots. The counties leading in the absentee ballot requests so far, and this is in order of the number of people who have requested Cobb County, DeKalb, Fulton, and then Gwinnett. Those are all Democratic counties. Um, So I think what will end up happening is that in-person, early in-person voting will be predominantly Republican, uh, and then Election Day voting will be predominantly Democrat, as well as absentee voting, predominantly Democrat. But we'll see. All right, next up, uh, we mentioned this on the pod before, Biden Student Loan Forgiveness Program has officially, the application has officially launched. This is the one that's up to $20,000 per borrower. Again, check the show notes for a link to apply. The last day that you can apply is December 31st, 2023. So for all my procrastinators, you got plenty of time to get this done. Dang. Now, Nebraska, Missouri, Iowa, South Carolina, Kansas, and Arkansas all sued the federal government to stop this from happening. They don't want the student loan forgiveness program to go into effect. What is one thing these states have in common? They are Republican led. This is something a number of Republicans have vowed to fight. So keep your eye on this. I'll keep my eye on this as well. And I'm gonna encourage you to go ahead and handle that application now before a new Congress convenes in January. And then z- this ends up becoming an issue in the 2023 Congress. Just go ahead and fill it out now. I don't know if you saw this, but the January 6th select committee had another hearing. And I, every time I watch these, first, I like I'm amazed what happened, right? I saw it in real time as it was happening in January of 2021, but then to see it again and to see like, you know, the body cam footage and everything, I'm like, holy crap. And I'm amazed that the Republican establishment has not put Trump in some dark political dungeon somewhere. Uh, just, I want you to objectively listen to this We know on the pod, if you listen to the pod, you know that I give equal crap to Republicans and Democrats. What happened on January 6th has nothing to do with either party. Take a listen to this.
3: And what Trump's going to do is just declare victory, right? He's going to declare victory. But that doesn't mean he's the winner, he's just going (laughs) to say he's the winner. The Democrats, more of our people vote early that count. Theirs vote in mail. And so they're going to have a natural disadvantage, and Trump's going to take advantage of it. That's our strategy. He's going to clear himself a winner. So when you wake up Wednesday morning, it's going to be a
4: firestorm.
3: (laughs) Also, if Trump is is losing Mm -hmm. by 10 or 11 o'clock at night, Mm -hmm. it's going to be even crazier. No, because he's going to sit right there and say they stole it. I'm, yeah, court, uh, agree. I'm directing the attorney general mm-hmm. to shut down all ballot places in all 50 states. It's gonna be no. He's not going out easy. Trump, If Biden's winning, mm-hmm. Trump is gonna do some crazy shit.
5: As you know, Mr. Bannon refused to testify in our investigation. He's been convicted of criminal contempt of Congress, and he's awaiting sentencing. But the evidence indicates that Mr. Bannon had advanced knowledge of Mr. Trump's intent to declare victory falsely on election night, but also that Mr. Bannon knew about Mr. Trump's planning for January 6th. Here's what Bannon said on January 5th.
3: All hell is going to break loose tomorrow. It's all converging, and now we're on, as they say, the point of attack, right? The point of attack tomorrow. I'll tell you this. It's not going to happen like you think it's going to happen. Okay, it's going to be quite extraordinarily different. And all I can say is strap in. You have made this happen, and tomorrow it's game day. So strap in. Let's get ready.
1: Again, if you objectively listen to that, regardless of your political affiliation, there's no way you say Donald Trump is in the clear on this. There's no way. They knew what they were doing, they knew that it was wrong. And it's why a number of people, including Roger Stone, asked Trump to pardon him before he left the White House. So first, let's listen to a snippet from the hearing and a documentary that will soon be released about the entire thing. It features Roger Stone. um, And again, just listen to this. This is remarkable.
5: Now, recently, the select committee got footage of Mr. Stone before and after uh, the election from Danish filmmaker Christopher Gilbranson, pursuant to a subpoena. Right before the election, here's Roger Stone talking about what President Trump would do after the election.
3: Let's just hope we're celebrating. (laughs) I
5: suspect it'll be,
3: I really do suspect it'll still be up in the air. When that happens, the key thing to do is to claim victory. Possession is nine tenths of the law. No, we won. F- you. Sorry, over. We won. Yeah. You're wrong. F- you. ABC. <laughs> I should. Let's get right to the violence. That's what I'm. It's not
2: it's start smashing pumpkins, if you know.
5: The Select Committee called Mr. Stone as a witness but he invoked his Fifth Amendment right against self-incrimination.
4: Do you believe the violence on January 6th was justified?
3: Uh, On the advice of counsel, I respectfully uh, decline to answer your question on the basis of the Fifth Amendment.
4: And Mr. Stone, did you have any role in planning for the violence on January 6th?
3: Uh, Once again, I will assert my Fifth Amendment right to decline to answer your question.
5: Although we don't yet have, all the relevant records of Roger Stone's communications. Even Stone's own social media posts acknowledge that he spoke with Donald Trump on December 27th as preparations for January 6th were underway. In this post, you can see how Roger Stone talked about his conversations with President Trump. He wrote, I also told the president exactly how he can appoint a special counsel with full subpoena power to ensure those who are attempting to steal the 2020 election through voter fraud are charged and convicted and to ensure Donald Trump continues as our president.
1: Now, Roger Stone got so pissed on January 20th, the day of the inauguration that Trump had not yet pardoned him that He went off, so you're gonna hear a clip of him in the car. This is again being filmed by the documentarian, which I'm amazed that they actually had hired someone to document the entire doggone thing. Um, it sounds it's definitely NSFW. So if you have kids around, you know, (laughs) tell them to hold your ears and. It sounds like he's tweaking. Like if you if you watch the actual video, it looks like he's on some kind of drug. But take a listen to this one.
3: Jared Kushner has an IQ of seventy. He's coming to Miami. We will eject him from Miami very quickly. He'll be leaving very quick, very quickly, very quickly. He has a hundred security guards. I'll have five thousand security guards. You want to fight? Let's fight. Fuck you. Fuck you and your abortionist bitch daughter.
1: So he was talking about Jared Kushner, Trump's son-in-law, and Ivanka Ivanka Trump, Trump's daughter. And then there's this one.
3: I'm done with this president. I'm I'm going to go public supporting impeachment. I have no choice. He has to go. He has to go. Run again. You'll get your fucking brains beat
1: in. I mean, it's a lot. It's an absolute lot. This, if we were watching like House of Cards and they did a season like this, we would all say, oh my God, that is utterly ridiculous. It would never happen. So what happens next? The January 6th Select Committee, which I should remind you all is bipartisan. It has Republicans and Democrats. They voted unanimously to subpoena Donald Trump to testify. We're now in mid-October. I'm amazed that it took this long for them to publicly reach this conclusion. I don't know the timeline on subpoenaing Trump. Like, is this going to be something that happens immediately? And he is expected to testify before the end of the year. That is my hope. Or that seems like that was it should happen. Because the committee is only, as it stands right now, going to be in place for 2022. So, stay tuned on that. I can't imagine Trump would testify or he'll just plead the fifth every single time like Roger Stone did. Uh, Steve Bannon, as you recall, if you heard the clip, Steve Bannon refused to testify and now he is, um, I believe will be locked up for some period of time to be determined. All right, y'all, let's talk about, quickly, Florida um, and Ron DeSantis, who may or may not be running for president in 2024. So you know that Florida's still recovering from Hurricane Ian, and this happened while we're in the middle of an election. So a number of voting rights groups pushed the governor, Ron DeSantis, to make some changes to how Florida typically runs the election. And so they asked for things like being able to mail your absentee ballot from a different address than the one listed on your registration. They asked to add new Dropbox locations and new early voting locations. And the point of this was to do this in the 24 counties that were impacted by the hurricane. These are the 24 counties that were designated by FEMA as being impacted. So DeSantis signed an executive order last week That makes it easier for about 1 million voters in three counties, Lee County, Charlotte, and Sarasota, to vote. These are all Republican counties. But he left out Orange County, which skews Democrat, even though it was also impacted by the hurricane. So again, what he does is makes it easier to vote for three Republican counties, ignores the rest, and this just seems like a blatant... um, Example of voter uh, voter suppression. Um, I imagine the Florida ACLU and other organizations will file a lawsuit and say you can't do this. It needs to be for all twenty four or for none. We'll see what happens there. On to party poopers and party starters.
2: Turn off the Party's
0: over. The party is over. Close the gates.
2: What?
3: All right. Party's over. Everyone
0: go home. Are you sure you want to invite this party pooper to poop on your party?
4: I'm the party
1: pooper. Now, I have to make... This was easy. Last week's was easy. This week's was easy. The whole L.A. City Council drama. I don't know if you all have heard about this, but take a listen to this clip.
4: L.A. Mayor Eric Garcetti is the latest political power player to say three city council members should resign after their racially charged comments were recorded and leaked to the media.
2: Other council members, as well as both mayoral candidates, Karen Bass and Rick Caruso, are also calling for the three to step aside. KTLA's Jennifer McGraw live at City Hall with new
5: details. Jen.
4: Mike and Cher, this audio recording has no doubt Uh, it's, It's shock and it's outrage and anger all across California, even the governor releasing a statement, the sheriff and many city leaders calling on three council members to step down outrage and political blowback for some LA city leaders after racist and derogatory slurs were leaked in an audio recording from a meeting last October. So, we'll start you know last- Council I- President Nuri Martinez using expletives referring to District Attorney George Gascone in a conversation about redistricting. Martinez along with two other Latino members of the Los Angeles City Council and top county labor officials were heard in that meeting speaking nonchalantly of ways to afford their own political gain.
1: It just proved, I think, a lot of things that people already suspected about LA City Council.
4: John Peltz is a reporter with Knock LA, the first to publish the leak audio recording.
1: You have Ron Herrera in the room, who's this labor leader, just openly talking about candidates he supports, wanting to make sure certain people are reelected. You know, it, it really comes off like this is the way it is, and this is the way it's always been. And I think that's probably the most a uh, powerful part of the audio is just, just how un- unseriously these people are taking these issues. Um, you know, they're couched with these horrible racist jokes,
4: and that's this part. As Martinez is speaking of Councilman Mike Bonin's black adopted son at an MLK march
5: it's like the oddest thing odd, is the like black and brown on this flow the kid bouncing off the effing wall on the floor practically taking it over
4: there's nothing you can do to control him that means quote he looks like a little monkey Resign now! protesters rallying demanding Martinez leave office and the fallout continued even after Martinez agreed to step down from president but remain on council. Resign all, all from it, the council, all of, it, all, of all, all of it. We should not have anyone serving. That is not about the whole community. Leaders at unrelated press conferences across Los Angeles speaking out with a similar sentiment. It is unconscionable. It is not something that I think we can get through unless uh, the individuals involved um, resign from office.
1: So so since this happened, the council president has resigned from public office, although she first uh, just decided she tried to just resign from being council president. And they were like, no, 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 you need to resign from public office. Uh, And then there are two more resignations that folks are demanding. In fact, the city council was supposed to meet Friday, uh, but the new interim council president said he was canceling the meeting until the other two council members resigned. The other interesting thing about this is one of those folks was a labor leader and there has been some tension. We've talked a lot about the labor organizing movement that's happening. There's tension between big labor, which is what he represented, and organizations like the Democratic Socialists um, who are taking a different approach. Now, by the way, all of these folks were Democrats. Every single one of them (laughs) were Democrats. So... Absolutely, positively a party pooper. I should also note that President Biden early on called for resignations as well. Uh, So, I mean, from across the country, this is an uh, absolute embarrassment uh, for the L.A. City Council. And we'll see what happens next. And then we'll see what happens with redistricting because that's what these folks were debating is who gets to have what in what district. Just by the way, the City of Atlanta City Council is also in the process of its redistricting. We'll talk about that in a future episode. the party starter is hands down the sandy hook families who are one step closer to having some closure on the entire debacle between the sandy hook families and alex jones who is i I rarely find a human being despicable but he is absolutely despicable Take a listen to a clip about this whole ordeal.
2: They want to scare everybody away from freedom and scare us away from questioning Uvalde and what really happened there or or Parkland or any other event. And guess what? We're not scared and we're not going away and we're not going to stop. And literally for hundreds of thousands of dollars, I can keep them in court for years. I can appeal this stuff. We can stand up against this travesty against the billions of dollars they want. It's a joke. So please go to InfoWarsStore.com and get Vitamin Mineral Fusion. Get X3. Get all the great products that are there that keep us on air at InfoWarsStore.com.
1: So he's... <gasps> yeah. So he... Uh, they were they were the the jury or the uh, judge rather ruled about a billion dollars I think plus some legal fees uh, that he would be on the hook for so it's not quite clear how much of that they'll actually be able to recoup and get I believe Alex Jones is worth around 200 million or so and so obviously this judgment is far more than what he's worth but It seems like it might be one of those things where he is paying these families for the rest of his life, and I think that is perfectly fine, considering all the havoc that he has wreaked on these folks. It's one thing to question if something occurred. It's another to badger and antagonize grieving families and communities. And that's what he did. Yes, you have a First Amendment right to an extent, You can say what you like, but there will be consequences for what you say. And that's what this showed. Now, unfortunately, I'm not convinced that what happened, the judge's ruling, will change behavior. I I think the same type of folks like Alex Jones will continue to say and do what they do. But hopefully each time they do that, uh, justice will be on the side um, of those who were put in harm's way because of their actions all right y'all that is today's show as always thank you for tuning in don't forget that early voting is underway october 17th the last day to vote is november 8th if you don't know how who to vote for how to vote any of that go to i'm going to plug our new site atlanticiviccircle.org we just released a voter guide in partnership with the ajc And we ask questions of these candidates, questions that I know you want to know the answers to. So check it out. Look and see who you want to vote for. Make an informed vote. Until next time, thank you for tuning in to Where the Party At.
0: You told me we'll see them tonight?
1: Oh, yes. (laughs) (laughs) I will see you tonight at the russell center for innovation for our debate watch party between none other than abrams and brian kemp who will be the next governor of georgia will brian kemp get a second term or will stacy beat him we will see but we'll talk about it first on the debate stage join us monday night the debate starts at seven o'clock sharp So don't be one of those folks that I'm going to roll in at 730. You're going to miss half the debate. And then after that, we'll have a live pod. See you then.